What up, Cavs Nation? I'm your host, Ethan Sands, and this is another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I'm joined by your favorite beat reporter, Chris Fedor. What up, Chris? Bonjour, Ethan. (laughs) Well, Chris, enough of that, because we wrapped up the Paris tour today, Thursday, as the Cavs took down the Nets 111 to 102 for their fourth win in a row. The Cavs got out to a 26 point lead at one point, but ended up just winning by nine points. We've talked about it before, but should we be concerned about the late game production for the Cavs? Again, I mean, I I think it is something that they're going to have to work on going forward, but I think they have the components and I think they have the process in place that they can remedy the situation. And beyond that, I just think we have to understand that in the NBA, teams are going to make runs eventually. It is hard to hang on to a double-digit lead, a 20-point lead, and coast to the finish line because these are pros. These are somewhat quality NBA teams in the case of the Brooklyn Nets. They have some firepower. They're going to cut into a team's lead from time to time, but this was as dominant a performance that the Cavs could have. Defensively, they were terrific from the very beginning of the game. First quarter, they gave up under 20. Second quarter, they gave up under 20. 34 points in the first half is what they gave up to the Nets. They led by as much as 26. They never trailed in the game. It was a quality performance, and I'm just not going to get caught up right now on the fact that, once again, a team made a comeback towards the end of the game because the Cavs, I thought, when Brooklyn started making that comeback, even though sometimes their offense got a little bit stagnant, even though sometimes their offense got a little bit too dribble-happy, they made the plays when they needed to to thwart like every single Brooklyn run that they were trying to make in the fourth quarter. Right, and obviously... Donovan Mitchell was the star of the show today, a season-high 45 points. But by way of 30 shots in Thursday's win, shooting 50% from the floor. And, I mean, you have to also take in consider the fact that Max Struess is dealing with knee soreness that had him play just seven minutes in the game on Thursday. How crucial is Max to this Cavs team? And with Darius Garland and Evan Mobley already out, the next stretch of games for Cleveland is not really friendly. What are your thoughts on how this lineup could look if this injury lingers for Max? Well, if you listen to Cavs Twitter or Cavs X, whatever the hell it's called nowadays, (laughs) Max Struess is not very important at all. And the only thing that matters is that he's not making shots at a high rate, which is completely foolish. And there is no way to measure gravity in a box score. And the Cavs actually did a study this past offseason just in terms of what matters more when it comes to creating gravity and creating space on the offensive end, shooting percentage or volume. And they determined that based on the study that they conducted, that shooting volume is the thing that creates gravity and space more than production. So yeah, like it would be great. If for the Cavs, Max Struess was shooting the ball the way that he has in past years. And it would be great for the Cavs if Max wasn't shooting a career low in terms of field goals and in terms of three-pointers. 
but that doesn't mean that he is not making an impact for this team. He is still a positive difference maker. Every time he steps on the floor, he is a threat to an opposing defense. His movement, his understanding of the offense, his reputation, all of that creates opportunities for his teammates. All of that makes it easier for the Cavs offense to function the way that it has, Ethan, over the last 12 games, where it's been one of the best offenses in the entire NBA. And I'll give you more numbers because we like getting nerdy every now and then on this podcast. So Max Struess, in terms of when he is on the court, the Cavs are outscoring the opponent by 142 total points. That's when he's on the court in about 1,250 minutes. That is the best mark of anybody on the team. So it shows his impact when he is on the court, even though he is not shooting great this year. When Max Struess is off the court, the Cavs are being outscored by 71 points. That is the greatest differential of any player on the roster, even more so than Donovan Mitchell, even more so than Darius Garland, Sam Merrill, anybody that you want to throw out there. The Cavs just do not function at the same level when Max is on the bench, and this would be a really, really tough stretch for them to potentially lose him. He hasn't missed a game at all so far this season, but he has been dealing with this knee soreness issue for a little while now, and everything that the Cavs have done throughout the course of this season has been taking a cautious approach with every single injury, so I haven't gotten any specific determination on what his status is going to be for Monday against Chicago, it helps that the Cavs are getting a couple of days off to recover from the Paris trip, and Max himself is getting a couple of days off to recover from the Paris trip. But if they're without him for any stretch of the season, numbers show you that the Cavs are a completely different team at both ends of the floor. And he has become, whether people want to admit this or not, he has become one of their most important players. And he has more than lived up to the billing when they went out this offseason and made him target number one. And we talk about the fact that the box score does not dignify everything that a player has brought to a team. And if you did not get that before this podcast, go back and listen to what Chris had just said. Because all of those stats are super important to what Max has done for this team, the gravity that he creates, the spacing that he creates, all of those things. The movement that he brings to the offense, too. Think about this. You know, he is one of the league leaders in terms of off-ball cuts per game. That creates offensive triggers. That creates offensive chaos. That creates offensive diversity. That allows the Cavs to go away from a pick-and-roll heavy attack and use different elements within their offense that keeps the defense off balance. And that's something that they are going to need as the season continues. And that's something that has allowed this offense to kind of take off over the last two, three weeks. So for those casual fans, go ahead and go to NBA.com, click on team stats, click on player stats, and hit the advanced stat button once or twice nowadays because those numbers will give you a better indication of how important a player is rather than just an ESPN box score. Net rating with Max Struess on the court for the Cavs, 5.5. And like he's holding up on the defensive end of the floor too. That's the other thing, Ethan. He's holding up on the defensive end of the floor and the Cavs defense is holding up when Max is out there and he's getting big time minutes. I mean, he is getting 35 to 40 minutes a night. He is getting big time responsibility at both ends of the floor. And there were questions about his defense coming from Miami, but offensively, they're a better team with him on the court. 
And defensively, they're a better team with him on the court as well. I don't know like how else I can phrase it. The guy is extremely impactful and awfully important to the success that this team wants to have long-term. Moving on slightly, we talked about Donovan Mitchell taking 30 shots in Thursday's win with all the injuries that the Cavs are dealing with and the rest of the team only outscoring him by 21 points. That means the rest of the team had a total of 66 points. Do you think this load is something Donovan can manage and the Cavs will still be successful on a nightly basis? Well, he hasn't had to manage this kind of load. If we're being honest about it, I mean, this was an anomaly type game where he had to play 41 minutes. He had to take 30 shots, but he hasn't been doing that over this stretch, right? It's been more spread out with Max Struess and Jared Allen. So he took 30 today. He took 18 against the San Antonio Spurs. Then you look at the Wizards game. He only took 15. Then you look at the other Wizards game because they played that baseball series type setup. And he only took 16. So like him taking 30 shots is not something that is going to happen on a nightly basis. It's not something that the Cavs have to worry about because it just hasn't been consistent. I feel like the way that he has empowered his teammates during the stretch while playing point guard has been really, really telling. And the way that he has kind of, at times, taken a step back in terms of the offensive load, the scoring load, the shooting load, so that he can work in Max Struess and Jared Allen and Sam Merrill and Karis LeVert is really, really important for the Cavs. And I just think coming into today's game against the Nets, number one, he felt like he had a distinct advantage against their switch-heavy defense where he was probably going to have to do a little bit more on the offensive end to keep the Cavs from bogging down and because he is clearly their best one-on-one player and switch heavy defenses force you into a little bit more one-on-one than what the Cavs would probably like. And because Max Struess did not play in the second half and not a lot of guys played all that well on the offensive end. So I think Donovan just kind of one took it upon himself based on the way that the game was going Two felt like he had an advantageous matchup. And three, I think he went in this game saying that I want to put on a show. It's the Paris game. It's a big stage. The eyes of the world are on me. I'm going to show why I'm one of the premier players in the entire NBA. I think he had that kind of over-aggressive mindset in today's matchup. I agree. And we're going to ignore his turnovers tonight for that very reason. But looking at his box score on ESPN, like most fans do, you can see that he filled it up completely. We mentioned the 45 points. But we didn't mention that he matched Jared Allen for rebounds and 12 rebounds. He had six assists, and he also had four steals. I mean, Chris, he had a plus 11 advantage when he was on the court with the team. I don't know if that signifies how much the Cavs need Donovan Mitchell. So again, and this is for the people and the fans that continuously say that the Cavs need to trade Donovan Mitchell away for other pieces and all that other stuff heading into the trade deadline. Without Donovan Mitchell, the Cavs would have been in a very sticky situation, especially tonight. And you think about they have the Bucks three times before this month is over. Who knows how long Max Struess's knee soreness bothers him? We know that Karis Avert had knee soreness that kept him out a couple of games and other players as well. So taking that into account, 
you have to be able to realize that Donovan Mitchell can play at a high caliber level every single night. And he's shown that, but there's a switch that he can flip on a nightly basis when his teammates go down and he knows that he needs to get after it on a higher level on the offensive end. Him being able to get his teammates involved is a positive. He doesn't need to score 40 points a night. He doesn't need to score 30 points a night for this Cavs team to be successful because then all eyes are on him and other players are not in the same position that they are right now to take the 44 three-pointers that they took tonight. Like, you think about it, and Sam Merrill, Max Struess, George Niang, without the facilitating prowess that Donovan Mitchell has showcased over the time with Darius Garland and Evan Mobley being out, you don't see the three-point percentage elevate or the three-point numbers and volume elevate as much as they have because they need someone on the offensive end with the ball in their hands to be able to create. And I know we've talked about Donovan Mitchell being such a ball-dominant guard, but we've seen his game evolve over the last couple of weeks. And the other thing that I think people have to understand is this is Donovan freaking Mitchell, right? Like part of the reason why you bring him to an organization is for games like this. When He's capable in his matchup against a specific team with some of the circumstances working against the Cavs where he's capable of scoring 21 in the fourth quarter and just like getting super hot, where he's capable of scoring 45 points, where he can take 30 shots and he has the green light to do that and he has the freedom to do that. And that's a better option at times than spreading the wealth. Like there are other times where he might not take that many shots. But like Donovan Mitchell has the freedom to do whatever he he thinks is necessary for this team to be successful and for this offense to be successful. And he has earned that level of responsibility. He has earned that level of trust. And not everybody is going to have the role of Donovan Mitchell, not even across the NBA. But this is Donovan Mitchell. And this still is one of the most prolific scorers in the NBA. And sometimes there are going to be random nights that call for him taking 30 shots. Just deal with it. Be okay with it. As long as he's shooting at a high enough percentage, as long as he's being efficient on the offensive end of the floor, and as long as the Cavs are benefiting from that, then just take that for a one-game situation. But it's not like he's going out every single night and shooting 30 times a game. It's not like he's had to carry that kind of offensive burden over this 12-game stretch without Darius Garland. But if anything, today is a reminder of what he's capable of. And sometimes what is demanded of him is going to be this kind of high volume type scoring night. Right. I mean, he shot 50% from the floor. He shot 15 for 30 from the field. I mean, his free throw percentage was he went 11 for 13 and he shot four of 12 from three. Yeah, caught fire from three. It's insane to think of what he's been able to accomplish especially with the talent that he's had around him. And that's just something that fans need to take into account. We talk about Craig Porter Jr. not getting a whole lot of minutes. Like, are you going to take minutes away from Donovan Mitchell, who the Cavs went and got to be a closer in a game that the Nets said, oh, we're going to diminish your 26-point lead to four at one point. Like, we are going to 
come all the way back and say, well, I think we're going to put the rookie in who has shown that he can play at a high caliber level in tough games. Or we can go with the all-star that we paid a whole bunch of money and we want to make sure he knows that this is his team and he'll come back next year or in two years when his contract is up. I mean, he's taking 21 shots per game. 21 shots per game, Ethan. I don't know about you, but I'm totally fine with that because it's down to freaking Mitchell and because like he's an all-star caliber player. This isn't like... Sam Merrill taking 21 shots a game, right? Or this isn't like Max Struess taking 21 shots a game or Isaac Okoro taking 21 shots a game. Like the guys who take that many shots a game are some of the best players in the NBA. And you look at the players around him, like they look for him to take the shot. Like it's not like they're like, oh, I should be getting the ball more. Oh, I should be getting more opportunities, yada, yada, yada. No, they understand. Like, there are levels to this ish. Like, there are levels to everything that happens in the NBA. And Donovan Mitchell just so happens to be at a different tier, just like the 76ers, the Boston Celtics. Those are the teams that are at the top tier. Donovan Mitchell, if you want to say he's 2A, 2B of the league, that's where he's at. Like, there are different levels to this. There is nobody else on this team that is as high on the rankings for the league, for people that they think are should be an all-star. None of that. Jared Allen has been he's been playing out of his mind, and they still don't think he's on the same level as Donovan Mitchell. So that should be the telling sign as to how great Donovan Mitchell is perceived to be, not only on this Cavaliers team, but also in the NBA. And this was not a Jared Allen offensive type game. This was not a Jared Allen, to me, offensive type matchup. Because again, the Nets have a bunch of like-sized defenders and they switch constantly. Like Jared's not the kind of guy where you just give him the ball in a mismatch. He's going to like power through guys. He's going to capitalize on that repeatedly. The way that he's been used during the stretch is kind of like an offensive hub to create actions and create triggers once he has the ball in his hands. But it's not like, hey, give me the ball and I'm just going to go create something. You know what I mean? There's a reason why Jarrett only took five shots today. It's because it was a tougher type matchup. It was a tougher type game style for him. And his responsibility more today was anchor the defense. And he certainly did that. He blocked four shots. He finished possessions with defensive rebounds. There are going to be other games as we continue to go on, maybe even Chicago on Monday, where it's going to be more of a Jarrett Allen type matchup, a Jarrett Allen type game where his shot attempts are going to creep up closer to like the 15 mark, like they did against the Wizards. That was an advantageous matchup for Jarrett. He capitalized on it. The Cavs recognized it. And he got double-digit shot attempts. You know what I'm saying? So it's like these things sometimes are going to flow based on the game, based on the situation, based on the opponent, based on the matchup. And I just don't get caught up in the game-to-game minutiae type stuff. All right, Chris. With all that information being dealt, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we'll discuss what we enjoyed from this Paris game. But before then... Become a Cavs insider and interact with Chris and I by subscribing to Subtext. Let us know what you think about the Cavs roster without Max Struess. Sign up for a 14-day free trial or 
Visit cleveland.com backslash Cavs and click on the blue bar at the top of the page. If you don't like it, that's fine. All you have to do is text the word stop. It's easy, but we can tell you that the people who sign up stick around because this is the best way to get insider coverage on the Cavs from myself and Chris. This isn't just our podcast. It's your podcast. And the only way to have your voice heard is through subtext. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Chris, this game had almost every celebrity you could think of attending it, from professional footballer Killian Mbappe to NBA legend Tony Parker to recording artist Pharrell Williams. What did you think of the turnout for Thursday's game? I think it's kind of what I expected, right? It's Paris. It's a cool event to be a part of. It's only the third time that the NBA has done something like this. So it's not just a random game between the Cavs and the Nets in January. It is a big deal. The NBA wants to make it a big deal. It's a great place to network. It's a great place to be. So it's pretty much what I expected. I expected it to be global celebrities. I expected it to be some basketball, some music, maybe some fashion, because like, Paris is the kind of place that can bring that all together. So I was happy with the turnout. And by the way, like the crowd seemed like they were really into the game too, Ethan, especially in the fourth quarter when there was the dust up between Tristan Thompson and Nick Claxton, when Donovan Mitchell was going volcanic. And when, you know, Donovan would go to the free throw line, he was getting MVP chance. Yeah. I mean, it's insane to see how many people will show up for this game. I mean, obviously the game has grown exponentially over the years, especially since the first Paris game. But to think about all of these celebrities, I had my binoculars out trying to figure out who was there and who wasn't because this game was filled and packed with star talent. And I'm not even talking about the players on the floor. You know how this goes though, Ethan, when you put a big event together, you know, celebrities are going to show up. And this was an event. Pharrell is probably the one that got me. <laughs> I was like, why is homeboy in a cowboy hat, like, just on the sideline? And, like, all the Cavs players, like, to check in, you have to walk past Pharrell to get into the game. And I was like, Pharrell, you got a crib in, in France? What, what you doing over there? Like, you just took a jet over there to just hang out for the night? Like, I mean, hey, you got the money, go ahead and do your thing. But that that was hilarious to me. But, yeah, and you mentioned Tristan Thompson getting ejected from the game on Thursday. I love that he's there for his guys. I love that he's competitive. I love that he is willing to put his body, mind, and soul on the line for whatever they got going on. But I think it was misplaced. Like, this was not the time. This is a nationally televised game. This is on NBA TV. This is... Like, everybody is watching the Paris game. Why would you also thought it was kind of soft? I thought it was a soft double tech. Like, it was a chest bump and some words like that. And then also, the opposing player got to stay in the game. So I didn't understand any of that. Yeah, because he got a technical instead of flagrant, too. Right. Correct. And I was like, why, if the altercation started because he was talking smack and then Tristan 
acted on it. Okay. Anyway, I think it was misplaced, especially after Tristan was had just became a Special Olympics ambassador and was working with Make-A-Wish Foundation and had three kids there to get himself injected. Like mentally, I go to Kobe Bryant saying, I'm going to play every game that I can because there are people and families and kids that get one chance to watch me play. And that's what it was for me. Obviously, it happened in the fourth quarter, so they got to see him play a decent amount. But some of these kids' favorite players was Tristan Thompson. And to see him get kicked out was uh, not what I thought was good for the brand. Who's honestly going to Paris, France to watch Cavs Nets saying, I got to go see Tristan Thompson? Come on now. How many of those kids that were inside that arena, or how many of those fans that were inside that arena were Tristan Thompson fans first and foremost? Like, yeah, man, I got to go see somebody grab some offensive boards. Yeah, I got to go see somebody do some great boxing out and anchoring a defense. Like, he's not the kind of guy that really draws a lot of fanfare. I mean, he's the last guy from that 2016 Cavs team. You love him because of his ties to that championship team, right? You love him because of his toughness, because of his energy, because of his hustle, because he gets you second chance opportunities and he does the dirty work that sometimes goes underappreciated. But come on now, stylistically, that's not the kind of guy that attracts a whole bunch of fans. So I don't think anybody is all that upset about only getting to see Tristan Thompson play 10 minutes in the Paris game. In fact, I think some people were eating that up, that he was, you know, signaling to the crowd as he got ejected and he was going chest to chest and not taking any nonsense from Nick Claxton. Those are the things that make Tristan Thompson Tristan. And those are the things that you love about having Tristan on this team because the Cavs need a little bit more bleep you mentality. I think ladies love Tristan because of the whole... (laughs) Kardashian thing and also he's just an attractive man so thinking like the more they could have seen him the happier they would have been I don't know I don't know at this point you might be right I don't know if basketball would have been the reason that they were fans of Tristan but I I think Tristan Thompson does have fans especially because of how he was immersed in the community during the week leading up to the game not only that Ethan To further my own point here, it's not often that I further my own point, but I'm going to further my own point here. Like, having him in the game brought the thing to a screeching halt because Brooklyn went hack-a-Thompson, so much so that JB had to take Tristan out in the normal rotation and put Jared Allen back into the game to finish off the third quarter until the fourth quarter started again and free throws weren't as readily available for the Cavs. And that strategy for the Nets where they felt like they couldn't even guard the Cavs at that point in time, that strategy wasn't as readily available. So I think fans were actually probably happy that Tristan got ejected because it kept Brooklyn from going to Hackatristan again, which just sucked the life out of the building. Hackatristan is such an insane statement. It's so funny to me. Like Everybody thinks of Hackashack, and then you look across, and it's like, Hackatristan? Really? Well... Stick to what works, I guess. How about the fact that he makes the first free throw 
<laughs> and he goes all Tristan <laughs> and he talks mess to everybody that will listen to him. He turns right to Jacques Vaughn. He turns right to Celebrity Row. He turns right to every member of the Brooklyn Nets. And he's like, yeah, MFs, like this is what happens when you go hack a Tristan. I make you pay. And then immediately after making that first free throw, <laughs> he, he goes and he airballs the second one. 15 seconds after talking all that mess, he goes and he airballs a free throw and he doesn't even look to the side. He just keeps his eyes straight focused, dead center because he didn't want to hear it back. It was so good. I don't know if we've interviewed or if I've interviewed Tristan one-on-one yet, but the amount of times that I've had him in the background of an interview with players just talking his stuff or hyping up his teammates is hilarious. And also why the Cavs love him in that locker room. All right, Chris, reeling it back in for the last question of this podcast. Was there anything that you'd want to see improved on by the NBA global games, especially ahead of next year when Victor Wembenyama could return home to Paris? No, I don't think so. I think it was great. You know, Adam Silver talked before the game, all of the different activities leading up to the game. It seemed like those really resonated with French fans, international fans. I think there was enough separation between the game itself, the business aspects of the game itself and practice and allowing the teams to immerse themselves in the culture and do different NBA initiatives so that it could be treated as more than just a basketball game. It could be treated as a huge event. And and the teams that were lucky enough to be chosen were able to experience everything about the Paris game. So I don't think there's anything that stands out to me that I think the NBA missed on. I don't think there's anything that stands out to me that the Cavs missed out on or the Nets missed out on or fans missed out on. I think it's something that has to be spread out the way that it was, even though you know, the Cavs are only playing one game in eight days or something along those lines. Like it has to be spread out that kind of way so that everything it's supposed to be about and everything it's supposed to bring in terms of attention to the NBA, a spotlight on the products and different set of eyeballs to the product. It had to be spread out that kind of way to make sure that it accomplished all those things. The Cavs return home for a game on Monday against the Bulls. I think the first question I'm going to ask is regarding Darius Garland potentially getting his wire out from his fractured jaw and what his first meal will be when he's allowed to freely eat. I mean, I miss those guys, Chris. But with all that being said, that'll wrap up today's episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. But remember to become a Cavs insider and interact with Chris and I by subscribing to Subtext. Sign up for a 14-day free trial or visit cleveland.com backslash Cavs and click on the blue bar at the top of the page. If you don't like it, that's fine. All you have to do is text the word stop. It's easy, but we can tell you that the people who sign up stick around because this is the best way to get insider coverage on the Cavs from myself and Chris. This isn't just our podcast. It's your podcast. And the only way to have your voice heard is through subtext. Y'all be safe. We out.